1: Welcome back, everyone, to another incredible episode of Market Impact Insights. And you know, the philosophy of this podcast is that in business, it's all about making a positive impact every day. And my guest today is someone who day after day is making a positive impact, and she is helping other business leaders make a positive impact within their organizations. And it's through leadership. It's through how to handle crisis effectively. And we all can relate to this concept of crisis w- between the global pandemic, a lot of the uncertainties and market disruption that it has created. There is a need for confident leadership, for intentional leadership, uh, for leadership with a purpose. And my guest today, Stephanie Malik, knows all about that. She's had an incredible Track record of success. She really began at a very young age and and moved into the technology space and entry level sales and and rose through the ranks and then turned to more of an entrepreneurial bent where she started her first company, Malico. It was a very successful global technology consulting firm that was very customer centric uh, and it was all about long term strategic. Solutions to help the leadership of those customers be able to succeed. And since then, she's gone on to found Smolik Enterprises, and she's established a team of world-class experts that are delivering the highest level of service and results to a global client list, and helping them navigate effectively through crisis. And in, in looking at Stephanie's background. And what has really made the difference for her over this 25-year career, award-winning CEO of the consulting firm, starting another business, uh, being a serial entrepreneur, spearheading multi-million dollar acquisitions and mergers through 11 startups, business transformation. All of that, what was the key to her success? And I found this quote, which is that the difference between success and failure is the willingness to quit, and that's something I've never done. So with that as a backdrop, Stephanie, how are you doing today? And welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you,
0: Dan. Such an honor to be here. I really appreciate the time.
1: So you've had this career in, in the technology sector and then going on to found your own business, and you really have shifted out of more of a traditional corporate role into a focus of really being a coach and being an inspirer and a motivator. And I'm really curious, looking back on that, what really drove you to leave that more traditional path to really focus in an entrepreneurial way in the business of helping others?
0: So So Dan, it was really a natural progression. Um, you know, when I founded Malico in 2002, um, there was a giant need for um, technology consulting, but really um, a human touch in, in consulting. So a lot of people knew that they, you know, needed to make some changes in their in their business, whatever that happened to be, whatever those business uh, um, transformations needed to be. They knew that they needed to do something, but they had no idea how to do it. And so the biggest thing that came into play during that was really understanding um, human behavior. So how people make decisions, um, what type of strategies do they use, and, and what really was consulting. So what was consulting? Um, and, and the biggest thing that came to my mind was mitigating risk. So figuring out risk, figuring out what programs these people needed in order to impact their business. And as I grew Malico globally, the one thing that I really continued to notice time after time again was there was such a need for human consulting. So really, what is an impactful leader? So what, what makes an impactful leader? What are those, those soft skills or what are those attributes? And over time, Dan, I just continued to notice that so many leaders that were really good with, with information or messaging really lacked a lot of the soft skills around humility, empathy, connection, self-awareness, you know, EQ, and even effective listening skills.
1: Yeah, I, I love when you, you're bringing up the importance of the human factors, right, and the soft skills, because I think about my own experience in going to grad school and in getting getting the MBA, and so much of the focus there is on those quantitative skills, right, the traditional skills um, as, a, as a leader, but often overlooked are the human factors. And yet we know, uh, and we've had other uh, guests on this uh, podcast have talked about their own experiences that at the end of the day, the ability to inspire and enable the people in your organization to be all they can be is as equal or even greater in importance than having all the other business fundamentals there, strategic planning, right? Um, Ability to set goals, right? The ability to measure uh, against those goals, all of that. So I really, it's it really resonating what you're talking about there. Great. So Stephanie, you, you've had your own direct experience as a business executive, and now you're helping other leaders kind of work through those risk factors, right, and achieve their long-term success. So when we use the word success, how do you define that success term? <laughs>
0: Gosh, Dan, that is such a loaded question, especially right now. Um, one of the things, you know, in 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 really hearing what you're asking, I feel like this is um, literally a different answer week to week, especially going through this pandemic. Um, how how I define success is very different. But if you're just if you're just looking at kind of a a blanket statement, if you will, it's always the measurement of success that my clients. Come in and we partner on. So whatever it happens to be, if it's you know business consulting, um, and we're looking at you know flat revenue, or we're looking at you know potential revenue growth, or new markets or emerging markets, you know right down to crisis. So all the crisis management, crisis reputation, um, or performance coaching. What measurement of success? What outcome can I partner with my clients on, and and what can I help them attain? Um, to where they feel like the investment, both time and financially, you know, were really worth it. So that's one of the biggest things that we talk about. As soon as we start and we kind of do the intake, we really start at, you know, looking at the trajectory. What is your measurement of success? Is it new business? Is it is it increased revenue? Is it possibly like we were just talking about softer skills, developing more empathy, um, increasing humility? You know, what are those um, what are those avenues of success look like?
1: Yeah, it is true that it's all contextual, and it can be at a moment in time, and and it can all be based on the environmental factor. So the idea is that is there ever really one static definition, even within a given organization? It seems like it would evolve um, over time, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and it's, it's over time, um, that would be just Really great if we could actually kind of spread it out over time. Sometimes in three to six month consulting or or coaching gigs, Dan, sometimes the measurement of success changes nearly session to session. So what was priority on the executives list maybe for that month has changed priority for for things such as the pandemic. Um, one of the things that I was just recently helping a client on is um, you know we were talking about introducing a new service that we've been working on for a year or two. And we were going to be going into emerging markets, and then when the pandemic hit, it was such a very, very quick shift to how do we not lay people off? So maybe a lot of the personal development, or the um, the personal development, or the business strategy would change, but really, how to save jobs um, and be more nimble with a lot of parents working from home and being able to have to teach their children as well.
1: Yeah, it really is a changing landscape, and and in the context of that changing landscape, we still continue to see entrepreneurship, uh, you know, businesses being formed. And obviously, you've had significant experience in starting and building businesses. And when that happens, undoubtedly there are going to be unexpected hurdles and challenges, regardless of how much advance and proactive planning you do. Uh, the curveballs, and I'm curious, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced and and some of those that just kind of maybe came from left field you weren't expecting? And how did you overcome?
0: So this is actually very funny. Um, and I'm really, I'm really, actually really glad that you asked this question. This is, we can do our very own podcast just on this one <laughs> yes. question. Um, I wish I could give you one or two. The truth is, is that I made so many mistakes whenever I started SME and, um, The one thing that I pride myself on, which really catches people off guard, is my innate ability to discuss my failures just as easily as my achievements. And with SME, I made so many mistakes. But the first mistake that I made is I thought doing business online um, would be much easier um, than my previous consulting firm had been, which was all 100% relationship-based, kind of being in front of people um, and really developing those true keen relationships where where you really go through stat, uh, strategies and long-term partnerships you know my average consulting gig at Malico you know was was 18 months and sometimes it was much much longer we were on client sites for four to five years with SME i thought gosh facebook and linkedin and social media and kind of everything else how difficult could it be i wish i would have really had those tools um, in starting malico and so you know i jumped on and i invested a ton of money and i kind of you know air quotes hired the the best of the best in um, in in uh, online businesses and i failed in every single aspect growing a business online because the online space is so noisy and because the criteria for having a strong um, online business or having a strong online presence stand was so completely different than the the brick and mortar factor, if you will. So the, I, I made every mistake possible, um, you know, starting a new online business. And then the second mistake that I made was branding. Um, I really didn't feel like SME needed you know its very own standalone brand. I had been in business for over 20 years globally. Every single one of my clients were name brand, blue chip, you know, kind of whatever you want to call it. Um, I had referenceable CEOs of Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies. So I really thought, you know, working as hard as I had over 20 years, that I had really done a very strong job at building my brand. And let me tell you, those two mistakes were very, very difficult to overcome. Um, I felt like no matter what expert i listened to or i felt like no matter um kind of whatever information or whatever research i was doing it just was not resonating with my clients or my audience and i spent a ton of money trying to develop an online strategy um i took for granted that my deep seated relationships and my global network were going to be you know we're going to actually mean something online and it really didn't mean anything um, so I did, I had to truly start from ground zero and I did, and that was, that was very difficult, especially after being in business for as long as I had, um, to really, you know, swallow that humble pie, if you will, and start from ground zero, um, after running, you know, a multi multi-million dollar global business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it is this, uh, having the receptors up and being able to really, be in a constructive mindset, right? And I think that's sometimes really hard because when it's 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 a company that you know an individual is founded. Sometimes there can be a little bit of uh, reluctance to really look honestly right in the mirror and then look at that and say, you know what, maybe that was a fail. But what did I learn from the fail? How do I apply that to just get better? And it sounds like that was just a continuous uh, process of self assessment for you, right? And then and then go on from there.
0: Right. And and Dan, the, the other thing is too, you know, which I'd love to talk about at a later date, but the other thing is too, is just kind of the same dictionary. So I, I continued to make mistakes. Like you said, it was just, it was like, you know, time after time, okay, you, you got it and you learn, and then you move on to something else. But it was just like every one of my something else, like just as an example, okay. Oh, hire, you know, a content writer for your sales page. Well, I, I write, so, you know, I write for, for Forbes, I've written for entrepreneur, I've written for, so I didn't want to really, you know, spend time. I felt like almost it was disingenuous to have somebody else write for me about what my services were going to be. And so I, I right, went out right. and I did it, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I did it myself and then it, I, it was just an epic fail. And then on top of doing it myself, I reached out to several resources that I knew very well. And I I said, Hey, who's the best that you know at this? Um, And they gave me, you know, two or three names and I interviewed them and, and Dan, I hired a couple of them and it was again, an epic fail. So it was just kind of going through those processes of finding that right, um, that right consultant or that right mentor to be able to help you through different aspects of your business that you really truly feel like, you know, so well.
1: Yeah. Great uh, story there. And it just, the, the perseverance and the patience, I think to just uh, because you you went through multiple attempts to try to find that right combination of chemistry and then complementary skill sets and one of the things we talked about at the top of the podcast in terms of what you do now is really helping companies through this notion of crisis management and these are very valuable companies with reputations and brands and to take it back to some of our current uh, environmental challenges covid-19 has created a lot of this market uncertainty, market disruption. But I'm wondering, do you view all of that COVID-related uh, you know, disruption and uncertainty as a traditional business crisis? Or do you see it a little bit differently than that? And if it is different, what are some of the different dynamics or opportunities for businesses and leaders to overcome that? And also, when we think about how Businesses can respond to the unexpected uh, disruption or the challenge. There's this concept of fundamental strategic change, or or a very popular term. Stephanie is pivoting. I hear that a lot, you know, and I talk to a lot of um, folks that are out there in, in different businesses. How do you see the difference there? So I know it's a big question, but uh, how do you see things there?
0: Right. So. So, Dan, first of all, thank you so much for asking me this question. And I will tell you, I haven't won very many popularity contests around my theory um, regarding COVID. Um, I have a very different, um, I guess, philosophy, if you will, on on crisis. Um, I believe crisis creates connection. So when you're in crisis, you reach out, you try to become resourceful, you look for comfort. And within crisis, you you become connected. Um, whatever it is, maybe it's spiritually connected, maybe it's you know friendship wise connection. Whatever it happens to be, crisis creates connection. Um, pandemics create isolation. So this 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 pandemic has created you know so many different types of isolation that um, it's hard for me to be able to consider it a crisis. Now, what has happened? Because of the pandemic, has for me become more of a crisis, um, which you know obviously is is the need for great attention for all of those who are suffering, uh, excuse me, who are suffering, um, and who have become isolated because of this. Um, so, so it's a little bit different. One of the things that has come come through this, Dan, is the is the magnifying glass or or the honed in lens, if you will, um, for the our faltering mental health system. So, time after time after time in the last maybe three to six weeks, in every single um, call that I'm having with executives, it's not only how to pivot, which I'll I'll answer in a second. It's how to lead transparent transparently um, while building trust when you yourself are feeling as a leader anxious or unsure or insecure. So, how do you present? In in an, in an amazing leadership um, way, while you're feeling kind of down or again or anxious, what does that look like? And and what are the needs for being you know transparent and trustworthy? And and mm-hmm. how do you no. message information, etc.? And so, getting to the pivoting part, I, I see opportunity in everything. Um, the hardest thing in in developing executives and their leadership skills has been getting them to jump on board when it's an appropriate time to pivot and what is the difference between pivoting and a full change so is that service needed anymore so you're if you're an entrepreneur as an example you put out to the world you know this is my this is my service and this is how we're different and this is the massive problem that we're we're here we're ready to solve. Um, and here's our differentiators. Is that problem a massive problem anymore? Is your audience the same audience? Um, and, and and I guess the bigger question is, Dan, is how do you know? Um, and that has been the most difficult piece for leaders right now, Um, It's almost like a prideful thing where they've worked so hard on this idea or this vision or this service or this product. And they've put so much time and effort and resource um, into it and made so many major sacrifices that they're almost pushing kind of the square peg through the round hole going, you know, come hell or high water, this is what we're doing. Um, Not maybe realizing that the entire landscape has changed.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, as you were talking about how leaders balance that notion of transparency versus also not wanting to be too revealing or to create a lack of confidence you know, in their teams. I mean, it's a tough personal balance that they have to strike, isn't it?
0: Right, right. And, and, and you're, you're right, Dan. It's, it's such a personal balance, and that balance changes every day. So you know I, I always say this. I always say bad news doesn't get better with time. but also being very thoughtful and being very empathetic with how you have to deliver this information. And in one of the things that that we do when we're looking at do we make a full pivot or do we make a change? like what does that look like? We kind of handle it in 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 a three step um, very easy process. and one of them is assess um, the next one is comfort. And the next one is a sign and a line. And essentially it's assessing where is the business, kind of where's the journey, where's the business, what does it look like and what were your outcome goals? And then we do this very quickly. This happens in a matter of two or three weeks and then kind of connect and comfort. So you almost really talk about what you've done, what are the sacrifices, what are the, um, the implications of where we are right now. And then you really kind of get on the same team with them and, and show a ton of humility and a a ton of Mm -hmm. connection. And you just comfort them through, um, what, what it is that they were trying to do. And then we decide, do we pivot or do we completely, do we completely change? And when we do that, the assign and align, this is where the leadership and the trust and the transparency really, really take, take hold. And you meet with your key stakeholders. And you know, while I absolutely love collaboration, when you're collaborating during a time like this, a lot of the executives tend to become paralyzed. So we really try to keep this going very quickly and define outcome and goals and create programs that are going to support these leaders um, in moving their business forward, whether that's through a pivot or a full change. We assign leaders to each one of the programs and then we leave them with aligning their teams for the new initiatives with set weekly goals. And so they feel almost like, oh gosh, I have a plan. I can look down at this this strategy or or this roadmap, if you will, and I can understand the methodology, but it doesn't take away any of the emotion necessarily away from it. So they're still almost mourning the change in their business or their pivot away from you know, maybe their launch or whatever it happens to be. So it's a very tricky, um, very delicate situation, especially right now.
1: Right, right. But I I think the important thing is that there's a long-term view, right? So the idea of coming in, helping set a foundation that is sustainable, right? Over time, it's not just, hey, we're in and then we're out. And it's a very in the moment, but it's the idea of how does that Get reinforced and get sustained, right, for the leader over time,
0: right? And 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 that's, I mean, I think that's really that's really it, Dan. You nailed it. Um, it's this doesn't have to be forever, but this is a plan for right now, so you can start to become, you know, really. Um, inculcated and and really understand truly where you're going. So the methodology can change in the future, but you really have a plan set forth for your executives and for your, for your team to actually begin to kind of, you know, just move forward to move through the trenches.
1: Right. Right. So Stephanie, we were talking a little earlier about connection through crisis, and I'm just curious to kind of flip it over from your own perspective. How has the new normal created by the pandemic changed how you approach your own client relationships and in leading your own company?
0: So I think one of the biggest things, um, for SME that I have, um, put a lot of thought and attention into is I've always come from the school of thought. If you do too many things, um, then you can't really do one or two things well. And so I've really developed my services around you know three core business models so business consulting, performance coaching and crisis and reputation management and and really those are those are those are buckets that I, I have focused on um, and, and been very true to. In the last four or five months, I have been asked to develop much larger programs programs around business acumen, pr- programs around virtual presence, um, I've been getting tapped by several um, leaders to advise on new and improved culture programs. So, you know, all of the things that have happened around, around um, Black Lives Matter or all of the things that have happened around maybe Me Too movements, how do we, how do we create a much more dynamic, safer, healthier, more fun place to um, develop our careers? So everyone really wants a shift. Um, they just don't really know exactly either how to get there or or what that shift means. So I've taken a step back and I haven't said no as much. Um, I've listened and I've really wanted to become um, very connected to what these leaders are feeling and wanting to understand. And And so what we've done is we've actually started to develop some online courses and online programs which is something we necessarily wasn't in our business model, but because it has to get out to so many people, you know, the masses of, of different countries and different continents um, we've taken a step back and, and done an approach to virtual learning um, around presence and around persona and around business acumen um, and then really truly around cultural pivots. So what, it, what does it look like now? What, you know, how did the journey begin And, and what do we want it to become and making a lot of intentional shifts along the way.
1: You know, you said something there just a moment ago about how you listened to some of the feedback um, from your clients and leaders right now are certainly very concerned about maintaining and building their own healthy cultures. And I saw in one of your recent articles where you made a strong case that listening is one of the most important things you can do as an effective leader. Can you expand a little bit more on that?
0: Yeah, so it's actually my favorite topic, and and it either it either riles some feathers or it makes people really kind of you know settle into their seat. Um, it's very interesting, Dan. If you if you notice, especially on Zoom or our ever so present Zoom, okay, if you notice any bit of silence on any any bouts of silence on zoom when 2 or 3 or 5 or 15 people are talking if anybody gets silent for over 2 seconds and and i urge you take a look at this as you're as you're doing your podcast and as you're doing your zoom calls okay if you don't say anything people start moving their speakers all around they start adjusting their camera people get very very nervous if there's any silence at all and so i started doing this study and so one of my favorite skills is just to develop develop listening skills and I believe there's an art to it. So, so how do you listen? So, for most, and even though it's mostly subconscious, people listen to respond. They listen to be a part, um, to be a part of something, or to gain some sort of commonality. But really, to respond or to create some sort of foundation. So, you'll hear somebody finish, and somebody will jump on and go, "Oh, me too!" Or sometimes you'll hear. You know, somebody finished talking, and then you'll hear the conversation go completely in another direction, and the person that was speaking is a little confused, and you can see their face. They get very, they get a, a very interesting look on their face. So I do things a bit differently. I listen eighty percent of the time, and I clarify ten percent of the time, and I comment or I interject ten percent of the time. So sometimes Dan. I don't respond at all except to just say, hey, you know what? I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share that with me. That was just, you know, that was amazing to hear. And so for cultures in many different countries, but most, especially in the U.S., our leaders believe that they know how to create rock solid cultures and they speak and they speak, you know, to large groups or they create costly programs around culture and dynamic workplaces and they allocate tons of budget around development or assigning consulting firms with the task of creating an amazing workplace. But no one listens. Or, or through through many different global environments, they, they listen, but maybe they're asking the wrong question. Or maybe when they ask the right question, the employees or the people that are responding to whatever it is, the surveys or the questions, maybe they feel unsafe to answer it accurately. So it's, it's really interesting. And I will tell you Dan I haven't seen very many organizations fail around shifting culture if they just do three things and the, the first thing is is know that your talent is your highest valued asset and then you know number 2 is have the integrity to listen even when you're wrong and then the third thing is is have the ability to act even if it's not your idea and in order to do those three things you have to have such highly developed, um, attentive listening skills.
1: Yeah, that, that really, really resonates. It's knowing when it's time to, uh, turn off the push of the message and then just come back, absorb, really seek understanding, right? Listening with understanding. And then how do you then translate that into meaningful action? So, um, excellent, uh, Perspective and and examples that you gave there, Stephanie, and you've obviously worked with leaders in a number of different sized companies. And we hear all the time this segmentation of or assumptions around what enterprises care about or what their approach is relative to SMB, small and medium sized businesses. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, do you see any real fundamental differences in terms of the quote success path? for either the really large companies versus the uh, maybe small to medium-sized companies?
0: So let me think about that for a second. I think from, let let me answer that in in two ways. I think from a soft skills approach, I think if you're constantly curious and you're willing to always be, you know, a curious student and willing to learn i would say the access that you have to mentors and to influencers around you in that space is paramount so i think if you're constantly learning and you're improving your own leadership skills and you choose to to be a student always i believe that you will always naturally become the people's choice because people will believe in you and they'll trust in you and they'll know that you know, you're you're not managing them, but you're actually trying to lead them in, into something better. I think where things might get a little bit more um, interesting, or where you might need to develop. Um, a greater path is is what I call kind of hard skills. What you mentioned earlier, the different aspects of the business. So, e- you know, it's much easier to control one state or one country's P and L than it is to control a multi continent or a multi location location P and L with different currencies. Um, th- that those things are time and experience. When I was coming up through technology, I had many great influencers and mentors that took the time. And it was invaluable to me in my career. So much of that has changed, and so many people are hurried, and they're not as patient. Dan, I just read something last week that said the average millennial in Silicon Valley stays less than fifteen minutes. I'm sorry, fifteen months. Um, it feels
1: like fifteen minutes sometimes.
0: <laughs> I know, really, it really does. Exactly. It, it, but it's fifteen months if they're not promoted. And I was, I, I took a step back and. I I was trying to think if I ever left a position after 15 months, (laughs) I was like, wait, did I even expect to get promoted in 15 months? But it was, it was amazing that it was, that it was 15 months if they're not promoted. And and I was thinking, what can you possibly develop to move into a leadership role of any capacity in 15 months? Yeah. And so then I, again, we just started doing some research on this, on what is the, the the trajectory and is it different for you know small to medium businesses as it is for larger businesses and i just don't have a really solid concept outside of the behavioral pattern of of constantly developing your own soft skills
1: yeah that's so true and as we start wrapping things up i did have a final question which is when you think about the future and you're thinking about entrepreneurship You're thinking about business leadership. What gets you the most excited?
0: Oh, Dan, can I change it up a little bit?
1: (laughs) Sure, we're very flexible here.
0: Okay, I want to just change it up a little bit because I want to make sure that I always remain completely authentic. Okay, so there's so much that excites me, but there's also a bit that frustrates me. Okay, so um, I always say, you know, again, constant and curious, and always become be, be a student always. Um, Remember that there's college for a reason, but there's also different tracks of learning. Okay. With that said, there's a few things that I have become insanely passionate about. And the first one is a double-edged sword, which is technology. Um, I'm so excited that through growth and discovery that we can do a better job around technology, but technology and just the sheer output of amazing platforms and applications are, are just exciting. Everything from the time trackers, the project management tools, the social media tools, the media, I'm sorry, the meditation applications, the tools that keep your content and your data safe. This really, really excites me. Conversely, the amount of noise that these new apps every single week that we get on our phone, you know, the new and improved always do better. This one's greater, you know, it, it creates a lot of confusion and it creates a lot of noise. And sometimes for me and for my team, that tends to slow productivity. So that's the first thing I see. The second thing is, is I'm so excited about the talent. Um, the younger ones that are taking the chances and developing their ideas, the way that they're learning how to execute the, the talent and the tenacity that they have is so exciting to watch. Like I really get a giant smile on my face and it makes me so proud when I watch these younger ones develop and grow. So that makes me excited. Again, conversely, the thing that annoys me is sometimes their lack of drive or their laziness or even their kind of, quote, you know, that's not my job um, attitude. That's really kind of frustrating. And then on a more personal note, and my kids always laugh at me, um, but I do say this to my younger clients. And sometimes I have the um, honor of being able to coach some of my clients' kids through their very first, you know, their very first business ventures. And they laugh all the time, but I'll say, how much time do you really need to unwind? Or do you really sleep that long? Or how long have you been scrolling? So a lot of times they do not get the full, they don't get the full understanding that time cannot be replaced. Like you cannot pause time, you cannot mute time and you cannot recreate time. So make really, really good choices and always be willing to help someone less fortunate or help somebody who is in real need and always believe in yourself. So I would say that that was the long answer to talent and technology are the things that excite me the most.
1: Right, and then that sense of uh, humbleness in thinking about others rather than just being insanely focused on oneself.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So Stephanie, where can folks go uh, to find out more?
0: So you can go to stephaniemalek.com um, we have a, um, inquiry sheet, uh, on stephaniemalik.com We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I do weekly, uh, Stephanie says, so you can email in questions. Um, I answer all my Twitters myself. Um, so any one of those, those social media, uh, outlets would be great.
1: Well, Stephanie, thanks again for contributing your time, your experience, your perspectives. It's uh, motivating and energizing and, again, thinking about the future. Um, It's all about people, and it's all about having that confidence to leverage the technology uh, and the tools that are available to just, uh, again, make a positive impact every day. But thanks again for joining today.
0: Thank you so much, Dan, for the invite. I really appreciate it.
1: And a reminder, as always, to make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.